Thanks for joining me today on the Vine Conversations podcast. And today I want to do something a little different. I wanted to just share some thoughts about the overturning of the Roe versus Wade uh, law that recently took place. And there's a lot, of course, of controversy surrounding this. There are a lot of very, very strong opinions from people in our nation um, on both sides of the issue and probably a lot in between and a lot of people feeling conflicted. But I wanted to share, um, just for our church, some thoughts about this. And hopefully that can help lead the way uh, for how you're thinking about this issue in our time and space and how you talk about it with those that you care about, those that may be wanting to engage you on this um, in the office or in your workplace or if it comes up in a family discussion. But the first thing I want to talk about is um, why should Christians rejoice that the law has been changed? Um, What does the Bible say about Life. Well, the Bible says that life happens because ultimately God is the author of it. And the psalmist says that you knit me together in my mother's womb. Um, We know that God is the author of life. Um, Job says you give and you take away. And he's talking there about um, giving life and life being taken away. So ultimately, we know that God loves his creation. And um, when, when the creation process is initiated through sexual intercourse, um, God is the, also the author of that. And when there is a child, um, ultimately, he gets the credit and the glory for that. In addition, we have a doctrine called uh, the image of God. And human beings are unique, unique and uniquely created in that we bear God's very image. And so that starts before someone passes through the birth canal. That, that starts at conception. God is the author of that, and he loves that. And he gave human beings the ability to create under his creation, ultimate creation authority, um, He has delegated some part of that to us. And so we are part of the increase of more and more image bearers in the world. God loves his image to be spread throughout the whole world. God loves to show his glory through human beings that bear his very image, that bear his reflection, that show in some degree, even though marred by sin, what he is like. And so he loves that. And so when we destroy that um, and make it legal to destroy that, that's a really big problem. Um, Theologically, biblically, that's a really big problem. So there's so much more we could say, but it's a very good thing when the laws of our land um, sometimes Uh, reflect God's priorities. Now there's times when, you know, we can debate political theory and sometimes there might be laws that don't reflect the Bible's priorities that might still be good laws. That's a whole nother discussion for another day. Um, And we won't get into uh, political theory and what the Bible says, and that can be really complicated. But all that to say is I, I believe that Christians should rejoice that 
um, this law has been overturned and returned now to the states. Um, recently, I was at a, an event put on by CareNet, which is a crisis pregnancy center uh, that we've been partnered with. I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, I was at an event put on by CareNet, the crisis pregnancy center, um, just this past week. And there was a man from Pro-Life Wisconsin who seeks to advocate for um, legal protection of the unborn. And he shared that, yes, this is returned to the states. And yes, um, abortions are not happening right now in the state of Wisconsin. But there's still a long battle ahead legally. And so this is not going to... Um, be something that's just going to going to uh, change and change forever. This will be a legal battle probably for um, the foreseeable future, if not beyond that. And so let's be praying that um, our laws would advocate for human rights, that laws would advocate for human rights. So how can we seek to talk to people about abortion? Um, Honestly, for, for myself, I have not done a good job at this in the past, and I've been um, overly aggressive. I've sought to win an argument and not be persuasive in an argument. Um, I felt very, very passionately about this. Um, back in the day when blogs were a big deal, I had a blog, and uh, and I, I, I wrote a lot, and I shared a lot about um, the pro-life cause, and I'm still passionate about it. I think Christians should be passionate about uh, protecting human life and, and advocating for the voiceless and the powerless, which a baby in the womb is that. Um, I think uh, maybe my tactics have changed a little bit. And, and let me give you an, um, just an example of what happened to me this week. So um, this week, we got a knock on the door, and I was the only one home. I went to the door, and there was a young woman there. Um, canvassing the neighborhood in the process of canvassing our neighborhood for Planned Parenthood and asking for donations and asking for me to sign a petition. Um, I'm assuming this was all about uh, seeking to get the law changed back to what it's been previously. And um, I, I was just kind of saying to myself, and I don't want to get in an argument with this gal. I'd love to just have a conversation. And so I stepped outside the house and, and she, and I, and I said, uh, Hey, how's it going? And she explained what they were there to do that. Um, you can probably imagine, uh, what she would have said, um, stuff about changing the laws and needing money and needing my support. And I said to her, um, well, help me understand. I said something like this, um, help me understand why you are pro-choice. And she very quickly responded, um, because I believe in the rights of women. I believe that, that women should have, have rights. And, and then she said immediately to me, are you with me or are you, are you, are you in support of this? Are you with our, basically, are you, are you support, are you in support of Planned Parenthood? And I hesitated. I didn't quite know what to say. I, she put me on the spot. Um, and I just took the route of honesty and I said, well, probably not. And then she just said, okay, thanks. I got to get going. And, and I just didn't know what to say. I, I wanted to have a conversation, but I wanted to respect her as well. And so she walked away and I wished we would have had the opportunity to chat about it. And, 
Um, here's something I wish I would have said immediately when she says, um, when she said, we believe that women should have rights. Um, what I should have said is, you know what? I do too. I'm all about women having rights. Um, I believe that women should have the right to vote. I believe that women should have the right to uh, run for public office. I mean, these are things that are obvious in our day and age. They haven't always been historically. But we can come up with 10,000 things that I believe women should have rights in. But I don't believe that women should have the right to kill a human being, um, a voiceless and powerless human being. And so that raises the question of what is it? And when talking to people about abortion, um, I feel like that's the most important thing that we can bring up. Um, there's always going to be an attempt to, um, to, to, to disregard this question and to um, ignore this question, but it is the most fundamental question. What is it in the womb? I mean, is there any significant difference between having a tooth removed from my mouth and thrown away and a woman having a baby removed from her uterus and thrown away? What, what is the difference there? Because if it's just like getting a tooth removed, then there's really no big deal. But is there significant differences? And Christians know that there are. There's so much we could say here. Um, but what I would like to, to present to you guys is a, a very simple way to have a conversation with someone that, that goes like this. What is the difference between a two-week-old infant? I think of... Um, uh, little babies that have been born in our church recently, you know, so many in the last 12 months or so. And you've got a two-week-old infant that fits in the palm of your hand. And if you kill that child, you, God willing, hopefully you go to prison. If justice is done, according to our laws, you go to prison. Up until Roe v. Wade was overturned, that same baby could be located in a different location inside the mother's womb and have life taken away with no legal consequences whatsoever. So the question is, what is the difference between, let's say, an eight-month-old or, or, or a baby that comes early at, say, 30 weeks, lives... Um, and a baby that is two weeks old outside of the womb. What's the difference? What's the fundamental difference between the 30 week old baby in the womb and the, the, the two week old baby outside of the room where the previous one, the 30 week old in the womb does not have any human rights and can be killed without consequence for the perpetrator of the killing. And on the other hand, the two-week-old baby outside the womb, you kill that baby, you go to prison. What's the difference between those two scenarios? Why is it that one has no rights whatsoever 
and the other one has all the rights of a human being and the weight of the of United States law on their side. Christians should be able to say there is no fundamental difference between those two. And that's why abortion is such an injustice. There is no fundamental difference between the two where one should be allowed to be killed and the other shouldn't. So why would we say that? How can we talk about that those two are essentially um, the same when it comes to protection under the law? Okay. And I've been trained to use an acronym and the acronym is SLED, like we're going sledding in the wintertime down a big hill. S-L-E-D, okay? And I'll just walk through this really quick. I think it's really helpful for having conversations because, again, remember, the, only, the most important issue is what is it? Because if it's just like a tooth and, and, it's, and it isn't a human being, then, it, then abortion's just fine. But if it is a human being, then abortion's not fine. It's as simple as that. And, and so how do we have this conversation showing that um, a baby in the womb should have rights? So the acronym is SLED, S-L-E-D, and it stands for Size, Level of Development, Environment, and Decree, Degree of Dependency. Let me say that again. SLED, S-L-E-D. S is for Size. L is for level of development, E is for environment, and D is for degree of dependency. So what we hear oftentimes is um, the baby in the womb shouldn't have rights because of their size. And so we know this doesn't make any sense. Um, My son is 15 and he is 60 pounds smaller than me. Uh, That doesn't make him less valuable than me. We don't... Um, measure value and protection under the law based on somebody's size, okay? That should be really easy to, to help people understand. Um, again, the two-week-old baby, tiny, fits in my hand, um, still protected under the law. So the second one is L, level of development. So development does not mean that someone has um, more value than someone who isn't as developed. Okay. And so like we think of, uh, a child that has not go gone through puberty, they're not as developed as a full adult male or female. That doesn't mean they shouldn't have rights. Like development does not equate to whether someone is a human or not. So just because somebody might not have Um, all of their fingers and toes completely yet doesn't mean they're not a human being. So level of development does not equate to uh, values under or um, rights and value under the law. So we've got size, we've got uh, level of development, we've got environment. A lot of people will say that, well, the difference is the, the baby in the womb is located in the womb. So that's like the the property of the mother, and you shouldn't have the right to um, to to say that she can't terminate that child. And we would say that just doesn't make sense because location does not determine value. Location does not determine value. If I change my location, does that change 
my value as a human being. Like if I cross the street, I'm not a different person. If I, if I fly to, to France, I'm not a different person. If I go to Morocco or Ecuador, I'm not a different person. Location does not determine value. And just because a baby is located somewhere doesn't mean they shouldn't have rights. So it's size, level of development, environment, S-L-E, and then uh, degree of dependency is S-L-E-D, D, degree of dependency, SLED. So we know that um, just because some someone or something is dependent doesn't mean that they shouldn't have human rights. Um, a baby outside the womb is totally dependent. Just because they're located outside the womb doesn't mean they're not dependent. And just because a baby inside the womb is very dependent on the mother through the umbilical cord and things like that doesn't mean they shouldn't have human rights. And so you can see that oftentimes what comes up is, well, they're smaller, they're more dependent, they're not as developed, and they're located inside the mother. Those are the reasons why we shouldn't have rights, that baby shouldn't have rights, and that it should be able to legally be killed. Um, we reject that. We reject that. And I think, you know, um, to be able to articulate this very simple discussion, what's the difference between a two-week-old or a two-year-old toddler and a 20-week-old in the womb? What's the fundamental difference? And we would say there is none. And helping people think about that, why is one protected and one not? Does does traveling through the birth canal of a woman change the status of a human being? Um, that just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And so this is a way to talk about uh, this issue with people. And it's very important that we listen to what they have to say because listening equals loving and love is, is, the, is the mark of a Christian. Um, and so I wish I would have said to that woman that came to my door, hey, I would love to hear your perspective if you'd be willing to hear mine. That's a great way to maybe start a conversation. Um, I know this is a complicated issue, I could have said to her. Um, I know there's a lot of really strong feelings about this issue. Um, but truth is really important. Like, what is it is really important. So I, if you want to try to persuade me that, that uh, the the thing inside the womb is is no different than a, a tooth to be extracted. I'm willing to listen to your perspective. And I would have listened to her perspective. Um, and then I just would have asked for reciprocating um, grace in that she would listen to mine. I, I didn't, I wasn't thinking on my feet like I wanted to. Um, and so I lost that opportunity, but I'm praying that there would be more opportunities in the future. So there's so much more to say. If you want to go down this, um, uh, you want to go down this route and really think more clearly about how to talk about abortion, think about abortion. There's a great book. It's easy to read. It's called The Case for Life. Um, just look it up online. The Case for Life. It's by Scott Klusendorf. Really, really helpful. And he he's the one that taught me the sled argument. And um, again, he will help us see that the most important question is, what is it? What is it? Because for Christians, we know that has to do with the image of God, um, that has to do with God's glory as image bearers. 
um, and and that that we should be on the side of the voiceless and the powerless. And what is more voiceless and more powerless than a baby in the womb? Um, that being said, we can certainly also acknowledge that these issues are not simple. It's simple in the way that I just laid it out in terms of what is it, but. These issues are not emotionally simple. They're not situationally simple. Um, many, many men and women, um, probably predominantly women though, um, feel the weight of I have a pregnancy um, and that is going to create a lot of really, really challenging things for me in my life. Maybe I'm in poverty. Um, maybe I'm between jobs. Maybe I don't have a stable living situation. Maybe I've got a bunch of kids already and, and this would not be wise for me to have another kid. We can acknowledge all of those things with compassion and we have to as Christians. We have to listen to people. We have to acknowledge their pain. Um, we have to love people and respect them. And we do that through listening and being compassionate. But at the same time, just because somebody is poor or somebody um, is in, in, in a situation where they have a lot of kids and another kid would be really challenging doesn't mean that we can kill the child. We would never, ever say that with a two-week-old baby, that just because there is um, five other kids in the family, number six is going to be too much, and so we, we can just kill it. Um, that doesn't work. And, and most people are willing to admit that again. So then we're back to the issue of, so what is it? And what is the difference between a baby in the womb and a baby outside of the womb? But again, we have to be compassionate and this is where the church needs to step up. Um, we need to really demonstrate that we are, um, all about life from the womb to the tomb. And so there's a trope that goes around in our culture that Christians just care about kids in the womb and then don't care about them afterwards. If you know anything about crisis pregnancy centers and know the data that's surrounded, surrounding them, um, you'll know that that's just simply not true. Um, are there some people out there that don't care about people outside the womb? I'm sure there are. But by and large, the data shows that Christians are passionate about crisis pregnancies pregnancy centers and advocating for women in poverty, women that are scared, women that need help. Our church has been doing that for the last 12 years as we've served at the Elizabeth House, which is a, um, um, a residency home for women who um, need help that are pregnant. And it's a ministry of CareNet, the Crisis Pregnancy Center here in Madison. Um, and so there's other ways. Um, we should be about adoption. We should be about foster care. We should be able to say to anybody, hey, if you will let this child live, we'll figure it out. Like, I I'm willing to say that. Like, if I found, and I've, and I've said this to a couple women I've known in the past. Like, if you are pregnant and considering an abortion, let me plead with you not to have an abortion and we will help you figure it out. We will not abandon you and reject you um, because we believe in life. And so there's a thousand creative ways to do that. Um, I think our, our serves, um, 
are going to reflect some of this uh, in the future where we formally serve as a church. Um, I think we're going to continue to have a, a vital partnership with CareNet and the Elizabeth House. There's other ways. There's a lot of other ways even in Madison to get on board. And I'd really encourage um, us to consider that um, if that's a way that you really want to serve through foster care, through adoption, through serving a crisis pregnancy center, um, and lots of other ways that I can help you um, find or others of us can help you. I wanted to say one final word directed at women who may have had an abortion and are at our church. And it's really important for us to highlight what Jesus says, that he is not come for the righteous, but for sinners. And women who have had abortions are sinners, and women who haven't had abortions are sinners. I'm a sinner. Um, All of us come to the foot of the cross, no matter what you've done. And so that's the good news of the gospel, is that you can be forgiven. You can bring your confession of sin, no matter what it is, to Jesus and say, I can't handle this. I can't make this right. Only you can in your grace, in your mercy. And that's what the gospel is all about. The gospel is not for people that have it all together. The gospel is for people who know they don't have it all together. And that should be all of us. And so if you've had an abortion, you're welcome. You're welcome to bring that to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your help. I need your love. I need that to change my life and to help me as I move into the future. And so those are just some of my brief brief thoughts. Um, I really, really hope that we can be confusingly winsome uh, on this issue where um, we are going to stick with our convictions and be willing to talk about them in a gentle way. But at the same time, we're not going to um, devolve into the cultural stereotype of Christians that um, don't listen, Christians that, that uh, are not compassionate but that we would have courage to speak our convictions and be compassionate all at the same time. And um, so may the Lord help us in this as we move into the future. And may we truly be salt and light um, concerning this issue in our city and in the world today. 